see you, sorry. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about where we are today and kind of your role here at Orwell. Okay, so um, started 10 years next year. I've been here for 10 years next April, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, started off as um, head of estate services. Mm-hmm. So it was a new title, new job. And what that was to do was to... Um, organise the gardening team, the mobile gardening team and the yeah. mobile cleaners yeah. and look at developing that into a proper commercial service. Yeah. And then I was promoted um, almost two years ago now Yeah, uh, to um, repairs and estates manager. So now I look after all the DLO, so all of our labour outside. So yeah. um, ORS, which is the Orwell Repair Service, um, the gardeners, the cleaners, the specialist cleaners, the mm. painters. Yeah. So anything labour related, yeah. I look after that. Yeah. And for people, I guess, that haven't come across Orwell. So, you know, we have um, support care services throughout the region, you know, as far as kind of Norfolk and Essex in the other direction, don't we? Yeah. So we've got a range of different services. So we've got obviously general needs, properties. Uh, we've got um, youth hostels. We've mm. got... Um, um, where ladies go that are fleeing domestic violence. Mm. Um, we've got extra care, sheltered schemes. Yeah. So a massive variety. And obviously the range of stock that we look after ranges from mm. sort of like the 60s yeah. up and up until like last week when we got a few <laughs> last week that we've got to look after. So yeah. And what our remit is to my team look after all of the repair work. Yeah. Um, apart from obviously gas and electric yeah. and roofing. We use contractors for that. And then obviously all the outside space, mm. internally cleaning, bio cleaning, yeah. clearing up bodily fluids, all <laughs> that sort of stuff. So yeah, we've got a wide range. So no day really is, is the same. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. quite a, a, a variety yeah. that we've got. And any anyone that's kind of listened to us and kind of picking up on um, your accent, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, it's not a, it's not, not it's a not suff- Suffolk, no. not a Suffolk accent. No. Um, so whereabouts are you originally from? So I was born actually uh, in Leicester, Leicester Royal Infirmary. Yeah. And I lived in a little village called Shepshed. Okay. Don't know if any... Loughborough, a lot of people okay, have heard yeah. of Loughborough because of the university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were probably... We lived five miles mm. from Loughborough. So that's where I started off. Yeah. Um, I was born and bred and I had family up in Leeds. So my... my um, Accent. I've been in Suffolk now for about twenty years. Okay. So um, I live out in Cotton. Yeah. Um, with my wife and me daughter. Yeah. Well, not so young daughter anymore. She's thirteen, <laughs> going on thirty-three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she. Um, that's. You know, that's where I was from, and mm. I, st- I I lived there up until I was um, about twenty. Okay. Um, and then. Yeah, well, that's that's where the mm. mental health journey yeah. started, I suppose. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I'm a, a good sort of place. I kind of find that is kind of a good benchmark to start from with people. Is you know, if I was to meet twelve year old Simon on yeah. the playground, yeah. you know, who who would I have met? Yeah, you? confident, bubbly, uh, playing rugby all the time. So yeah, I mean that I started playing rugby when I was young. Yeah, uh, and rugby was my life. Mm. Um, and then, and how yeah. old were you when you start? Pick, you, you, how old would you when you start rugby? Do you think five? I was five. Was it five? Yeah, five. Right. Yeah, I started playing that young, and then went through. 
up until I was 20, I played professionally. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say the team, but I, I played professionally. And then I, have, I had a devastating accident mm. um, and I had to rethink my life because mm. obviously I was playing professionally and that was what I was going to do. I didn't, you know, I did okay in my GCSEs and what have you, but then I had to rethink where I wanted to go with my life. Yeah, so, yeah, it was yeah, quite yeah. devastating, really. And, and was it that you just got into rugby? Was there people in your family that were into rugby? So, or? yeah, my, uh, so my mum, God rest her soul, her dad, uh, who fought in the war, he okay. was, he he was actually responsible for, um, I don't know if you've ever seen that film, U571. Okay. Um, it's got Bon Jovi in there, yeah. hasn't it? No, uh, yeah, it has, yeah. <laughs> it has, <laughs> yeah. I So it. that was like the American version of what my granddad did. So okay, he was yeah. actually, he was responsible for capturing the first Enigma coding machine. Okay. Oh, wow, okay. Um, so he survived the war. Unfortunately, he died in a car accident after the war when my mum was about 12, 11, 12, 13. Right. But after the war, he was rugby master at the RHS, at the Royal Hospital School. Oh, wow, okay. And then, obviously, after he died, my nanny then moved back to Colville, mm. which is in Leicestershire. Mm. They moved back. Um, so, yeah, it was always in the blood, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's just something that I've always... My brother doesn't play, though, and uh, my dad never played. But, yeah, it was just something that I always enjoyed. and Felt natural to you. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. obviously, it, I sort of had cricket as well to fall back on. So, yeah, so yeah, quite sporty. And was it just kind up. of, you just joined a, a club at, at five and then it went from there? Or? Yeah, so it was like touch rugby. Okay. And then you get into tackling when you're about eight or nine. And then mm. I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is good. <laughs> and, I, yeah, I found out I was quite good at it and then went and played professionally and mm. got a little bit of money for it and yeah um, so what sort of age was it that you you started to think right i can i can i can do this professionally yeah what? sort of at, at gcse so gcse at time school, you know, okay i mean i was i was i was playing professionally then, yeah yeah so, and know. how was that at that time i guess with other you know your, your friends probably doing exams and that kind of stuff how was that for you yeah i mean i at that time it was yeah it was it was full on mm. it was dedication and yeah. making sure that your body was a temple I mean it's not now but um, yeah you know looking after yourself keeping fit and just at that time it was just becoming a professional game so yeah. beforehand it was amateur okay yeah so yeah from there it became mm. it then started becoming professional so yeah 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 we I started you know really taking an interest looking after myself mm. going to the gym working out eating right etc etc yeah and then I suppose the crises for me happened when I broke my ankle and okay. it, it was a real bad break. Right. It wasn't playing rugby, it was playing squash of all games. Oh, wow, okay. So, yeah, what happened was I, I sort of went back and my 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 uh, leg, my, my, my foot folded up and the wow. ankle bone came out. And it, it was quite devastating. So mm. and How long did that put you out for? Uh, well, I couldn't, that was it. That was that it, was, was it? it? Yeah, so... Um, I couldn't walk for about six months. Wow, okay. Uh, in a bit of a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, piled on the weight. Um, okay. I was gutted because I thought I'd got my career sorted. So, mm. yeah, it, it was not a bad, it was not a good time for me. It was, mm. it was quite a hard time. So that injury wasn't something that you could get rehab for and you could carry on? Well, or? yeah, but after, after I'd broken it, he said, you're never going to play again. 
Okay. So that because was the message that you got. Okay. Yeah, it was that bad. Okay. So it was like, oh, right, oh, crap, I better find something else to do. So. And it was just, it was kind of just matter of fact and that, them telling Pretty you. Pretty much, and, yeah. I mean, they said, if you want to go and play again, mm. um, you're going to be, at, you're going to, you know, if you knock it again or do anything okay. to it, then it could be a, to a point where you probably won't be able to walk or you will be able to walk with with an aid. Okay. So it was like, right, okay, I better just listen to what the doctors are saying here. Mm. And because I've got all metal work in it. Yeah. Famously, my, my daughter loves it when I go through a metal detector at the, at the, <laughs> the airport because <laughs> it always goes off. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, um, yeah, that sort of, and that, that started my di- downward spiral really okay. with my mental health. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I hid it a lot. I was very secretive with it. Mm. Um, I did a lot of secret eating. Okay. I did, um, I, I moped a lot and felt sorry for myself. So mm. you've got to imagine you've gone from like someone that is active. Yeah. 24-7. Yeah. Not, well, yeah. not 24-7, but a lot of the time. Mm. And then to nothing. Mm. Overnight. Yeah. And then someone saying, that's it, you can't, you're not, that's it. And were you, you living at home at that point or yeah, live yeah. on your own? Yeah, or? Yeah. 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 I was living at home. And then, um, I was like, right, well, I better find something to do then. Mm. And I moped around for ages. So I had a sort of like a year out, a year okay. off. Mm. Didn't really do much. Mm. And I was like, what am I going to do with myself? I really, really don't know what to do. Um, and was there any support from like the team? Oh, a few at that time were good. Yeah, oh, yeah, a few were okay, but it's, 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 it's fine. Like, it's not yeah. forever. It's like, well, yeah, not much we can do. do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was. It, so, I, so I thought. I sat there and I thought, right, okay, well, what am I going to do with myself then? So I thought, right, well, my granddad was a little bit into horticulture. Yeah. So I thought, oh. Okay. You know, I was never academic at school. I thought, oh, okay. So I went to um, Brooksby College, which is an agricultural college, and I mm. did a, like, a first diploma in rural studies. Okay. Which sort of gives an overview of... Yeah. Just a general yeah, kind of... Yeah, fisheries, tree, okay. arboriculture, horticulture, yeah, yeah. agriculture, just gives an overview. And mm. I really particularly enjoyed horticulture. So okay. I thought, oh, that's something I can yeah. really get into. And then when I was there, obviously they're, they're big into the rugby and, I, and that frustrated me because I couldn't okay. play. Mm. So I sort of, after I'd done my... Um, first diploma and my national diploma I, I was fortunate enough to get in at Rittle College mm-hmm. um, Rittle College is an agricultural college in near to Chelmsford yeah and they have a big um, so I did a degree in landscape and amenity management there so mm. I, I knew I was really interested in that sort of stuff so yeah. I thought oh that's the avenue that I'll, I'll take yeah um, so yeah when I went to Rittle there was a big rugby fraternity there yeah and naturally I was I was drawn to it, yeah. With my with my background, and, yeah, sure, and all that sort of stuff. So, I, you know, I was desperate to play. Anyway, we had a really good coach there called Mark, and I sort of said, you know, I'd I'd love to play. However, I can't. Is there anything else that I can do mm. to get involved mm. in it? And he said, Oh, have you ever tried taking up the whistle? And I was like, Behave yourself. What are you talking about? Become a referee? Mm. Anyway, absolutely no chance. So then. He goes, well, you know, you should try, because then you're still involved in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. So I was like, um, yeah, after a lot of umming and ahhing, mm. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll give it a go. So mm. I went 
I I went to um, the local societies, societies, rugby uh, referee societies across Mm -hmm. the country. So I went to the local one and I did my level one course, my level two course. Um, I'll never forget my first game. They gave me an under 13s junior game at Colchester. Okay. First time I ever refereed. And it was just carnage. I was like, oh my God, this is so <laughs> difficult to be on this side of the... Yeah, yeah. Because obviously you so you know what the laws are and you know what the rules... Well, mm. they're called laws, they're not called rules, but yeah. you know what the laws are and, you know, but having a whistle and being in control of that, yeah. that game actually is... And keeping on it all the time. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Mm. It's totally different mm. to playing, mm. totally. Um, so yeah, I was chucked in the deep end and after the game, I, was, I came off and I was like, Hang on a minute, my ankle's not hurting because there's no impact. I could feel it. Okay. It was hurting a little bit, but mm. it was, you know, every, day to day yeah, yeah. pain management. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe I can do this again. So yeah, I got I got drafted in and mm. as I say, the rest is history. And I got, I got up to a really good standard mm. with my life. I got, you know... Uh, I had to take the foot off the accelerator when Matilda was born, my daughter. But um, yeah, I'm still involved in in rugby mm. to this day. So yeah, it was sort of like my second saviour. It was really yeah. uh, getting into refereeing. I mean, I don't referee now. I I um, coach new referees. Okay, and, and so I'm still involved in it. So yeah, yeah, the rugby community has been has been super helpful. So it's been kind of a progression then, isn't it? A natural yeah. progression as to how, where you were in your life and your yeah. responsibilities and... Yeah, you know, there was some, stuff. yeah, like there was some dark times because it's quite a lonely, it's quite lonely when mm. you're a referee. Yeah. Because I'm used to having the camaraderie of the team and okay. having that that team spirit and, mm. and all that. But the society, um, the local societies are great and they offer courses to, a, you know, young 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 um, men and women that want to start off that have been injured you find a lot of people when you get into the refereeing community you find that a lot of the people that are involved in it have similar stories to your own okay that have yeah either been injured or weren't mm. quite good enough or were good enough and mm. they got injured or you know so there was quite a lot of similarities mm. between our stories yeah and that was quite a supportive environment and then I, I became a a mental health first aider for the RFU. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and how did that kind of come about? Is that something that they, they'd always had? It, or? Well, no, it, it was the... I suppose on a rugby t- on a rugby pitch, you're all quite mm-hmm. manly and, oh, I'd be all right. And, yeah. And a, f- a friend of mine, similar age to me, he, he's 45, who I played with uh, when we were young. Yeah. He's got onset de- dementia. Right. Um, and you see that happening more and more um, because mm. obviously the laws have changed to protect yeah. head injuries mental health mm. um, and it just became it just became a subject that everyone started talking about I mm. mean there was there was a there was a big piece when Gareth Thomas came out as gay mm-hmm. um, because I think in um, football I don't I'm not because I don't follow football mm. but I'm, not, I'm unsure whether or not any players have ever came out like I think a few have it, yeah. but it's very sort of yeah taboo rare, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, still. And it wasn't like it never been a no taboo subject. And it was never pooed or anything mm. like that. Mm. It was like you know, it was always uh, uh, when you're with the team or with the 
with the society it was always an open environment okay. to be able to talk mm. about your feelings and it was it was sort of almost encouraged okay. it was it was almost like it was a it was a blocked off subject and then it almost changed overnight mm. it was it was like oh no we keep our feelings to ourselves and then and then a few things happened like like Gareth Thomas came out as gay mm. and then there was the King Cross Steelers which were the openly gay okay um, rugby team mm. and that I think that that sort of then encouraged everyone to start talking about how they felt and yeah. mental health and the fact that we're all here as a big group of mm. community yeah, to yeah. support each other and that's and that sort of helped me not only in my career to talk about mental health and be open about it and yeah. to help and, and, and support others. But, um, you know, it's important like when you, when you're, and, and it is important as well when you're, when you're developing referees that, you know, you talk about mental health with them because yeah. that is a big responsibility to yeah. look after 30 people running, you know, men or women running mm. around the the rugby pitch and Especially making sure that they don't get hurt. I mean, unfortunately, I caught up with with um, one of the guys uh, that unfortunately one of the players died at Wisbeach um, right. a couple of three weeks ago. Okay, and I caught up with a couple because I know a couple of the players, so I caught up with a couple of them, and mm. yeah, it was yeah, it's tough when something like that happens. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it's a dangerous game, and mm. you know, Those I mean, risks. it's a very rare. There are risks. We all yeah. know what the risks are, but it's mm. rare things like that happen. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that was it, that's that that then opened the door to the mental health first aid training and mm. signposting and you know being part of that. And then obviously we do it at work. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's good. I mean, it's, it, it's good to hear that the you know the the unions there were were very forthcoming after those media kind of events that happened yeah. and i guess from someone you know i don't know too much about rugby but my preconception would be that maybe it's not as far along as it actually is you know yeah, it is a you know so that's, that's really refreshing to hear in that respect dis- yeah. um and kind of i guess that's that's a great kind of thing for other people regardless of what sport they're in yeah. you know because we often hear of people getting injured or not yeah. being able to play for whatever reason yeah. and going through the same thing coming to a crossroads and thinking what am I going to do because mm-hmm. you'd already you'd almost got I mean like for me I I knew what I wanted to do I wanted to play rugby and you kind of planned it all yeah, out and, yeah. and then it stopped <laughs> it was so, just so like having it, the rug taken under your so teeth. it's almost a level of grief isn't it you know, yeah. you, know you, you go through a grief of of the life that you expected or yeah. planned, yeah. Um, and go through that. Was there anything else that you tried at that time? Any other? You know, you said you, you mentioned horticulture. Was there anything else that you tried at the time that what sport thought, related? Or, or, or no, or just work related? Or, um, or no, not. I mean, I'd always sort of. I think because I took an interest in it. I yeah. mean, that's why I did that first course, and I yeah. was like, oh, it's opened my eyes up to actually another world. Really. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I suppose. I'd always, I know, I know it's totally different, but I'd always been into shooting with my dad, like okay. clay pigeon shooting. Yeah. And you tend to get a lot of the farmer boys and, yeah. and all that, a lot around that sort of so environment. So you that lifestyle but, the, stuff. but also you get a lot of the farmer guys and the hawk guys playing rugby as well. So okay. it was quite familiar to, yeah. to me when I'd gone to the agricultural college. They were, they were either agricultural students or horticulture students. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was. I'd always been involved in that. I mean, even when when we were playing, there was a lot of sons and daughters that come from that background. Okay. So, um, I didn't come from that background myself. My mm. dad 
my dad was in IT, so yeah. But you just sort of fall into it, and I'm very much into that yeah scene now, I suppose. And a lot mm. of my friends, like one of my best friends, is a butcher. Okay. Um, and yeah, I've got friends that play that, that are farmers, mm. and and I've got a lot, you know, like um, tree guys that do tree work and all that sort sure. of stuff. Sure. So yeah, my sure. my circle is still around that outsidey type mm. thing, really. Yeah. Guys, yeah. And around that time when you kind of found refereeing again and, you know, was it, did you find that when you started to get momentum and thought, this is going to be my new kind of thing, mm-hmm. did everything else kind of get better in, yeah. in the way that you felt? Yeah, or definitely, yeah. So it yeah. was kind of like having that purpose, I yes, guess. Yes, it that, was. Yeah, it was totally. It was like, oh, I'm going to go and referee a game every Saturday and yeah. that means I'll still be around the rugby guys and... Yeah, I think I, it's really hard to explain and to get across, and I'm sure people that are listening to this that do play rugby that there is that camaraderie, um, okay. and it is that it's that that keeps you involved mm. in rugby from when you're little mm. to when you're yeah. getting old like what I am now. So from going, you know, when you got injured, from going to having that. To then nothing. Yeah, I didn't have anything. Yeah, I didn't you know have that's quite a drop. I totally withdrew myself. Yeah, I withdrew yeah. myself from it. Yeah, and I was like, well, oh, I'm really peed off now because mm. I, I can't, I can't play anymore. So, yeah, yeah, it was a big, it's a big deal. You mentioned then at that time, you know, you mentioned about sort of secret eating and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and food is something that I've turned to at various times yeah. in the, in a way that, you know, it gave me a, um. I don't know what it gave me, but it gave me something. Mm. It gave me, you know, whether that was part of loneliness and having yep. that to have something you could do. Um, For me, it was something that you could control and you were in control. Yeah, of it. The yeah, control yeah, yeah. Before, it, so when we were playing, it was, you know, you had all the nutrition and yeah. almost done for you. Yeah. And, oh, got, and then yeah. I was like, right, okay, well, I'm in control. That's one yeah. thing that I can I'm going to have this yeah. or that or, yeah. 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 So yeah, that was why it was for me. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I just need to look at a cake and it. I put on ten pounds. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, it's it's funny, isn't it? For, you know, for me, it's like sweet things. Like yeah. it's probably similar to you. To yeah. you. Um, I can, I can. I'm all right with sort of crisps or you know stuff like yeah. that. I can sort of give them up. You know. Yeah. Sweet um, things, it is for me. But yeah. sweet things. I look um, at like cake and chocolate. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so if we if we kind of fast forward to kind of today are there things in place that you have or you do on a regular basis to kind of ensure that you kind of keep on as much of an yeah. even keel as you yeah there are so um we've got me and my wife we've got two dogs um dave and eddie yeah um, one's a labradoodle dave and eddie's the miniature cockapoo yeah and um when we bought when we first, we had dave first and it, I, it was very much like I'm not getting involved in that at okay. all not interested and then when he came I was like oh <laughs> yeah I'm interested yeah, okay. and um, something that's really important to me me and my wife is that we do our little walks okay so we do four or five miles a day yeah yeah. Um, it gives us time out phones we don't take yeah well, I think she takes like she's got a watch thing that, that tracks does. but I well, yeah, yeah. purposely leave my mobile phone yeah one of the biggest things for me if we're talking about that yeah, I'm not. I'm only on the picture Instagram. I'm not oh, okay, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I came off Facebook because from from I was getting extremely. 
I'd, all I'd be doing would be looking at my mobile phone all the time yeah, yeah, yeah. and spending far too much time. Wasn't productive. No, it, 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 yeah, social media is the devil as far as I'm concerned. I do like going on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I like going on Instagram and keeping up with friends that I've lost okay. touch with yeah. or friends that live abroad or whatever. But yeah, it's not a massive part. Social media isn't a big part of my life. Mm. Um used to be mm. and that that was like breaking a habit that was um, well, that, that's good you know because to, to kind of acknowledge that and, and yeah. know that it's not serving you in that way yeah to then you know having some time where it's not in your life and you've seen the benefits obviously definitely yeah i mean mm. i'm not looking at my phone like that mm. every two, yeah, yeah two seconds so yeah we we leave our phones on pu- on purpose at, at home apart from the tracking thing that she does um and then that just gives us time just to talk about life and stuff yeah, and yeah. that's really important time to me because mm. she's a busy solicitor and obviously with my job I'm yeah. I'm busy and it's just nice just to take that hour and a half out each day that mm. we've got together and we can do that and that's really important for me. I always think, you know, we don't have dogs but I always think dogs are kind of a good kind of like thing they kind of get well, you yeah, out if they don't they'll stand there looking at I you know. going, uh, come on yeah mate, we're ready sort for of, a walk you know holding you accountable <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. You, you bought me you got to take me out yeah so that, that's really good and then um obviously me and my uh, my daughter's mom are not together but we're really good friends okay and i supported her the reason why the relationship broke down was i supported her for a very traumatic experience mm. um and that sort of just ended the relationship. We came, we became more like brother and sister. But, okay. And um, we've both got really good partners that we, so we co-parent my daughter and yeah. it's, it's not a toxic environment at all. And mm. that's really important to the both of us. Yeah. That it's not a toxic environment. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate when I was growing up, I had both my mum and dad mm. until my mum passed away yeah. seven years ago, but my dad's still about. But Matilda's, um, my daughter's mum, mm. she, um, had a horrible upbringing. Okay. Um, it was horrendous. Yeah. And it was really important that um, when we did split up that we still are amicable and we mm. are, we're, I mean, yeah. I, I still love her to bits. Yeah. But we're, we're more like brother and sister yeah, and we're course. really good yeah. friends. And yeah, we still yeah. do everything together with Matilda, for, for Matilda. Oh, great, and, yeah. And, you know, there's no animosity there at all. And I think that has a positive effect on your mental well-being, and it's not yeah. a competition and, and we do co-parent and the fact of the matter is and we've said this to her is that we you know mummy and daddy just didn't get on when we were living together mm. and we're getting on better now that we're mm. not and you know it happened when Matilda was two and we're she's third, 14 almost so yeah it's, it sounds like you know with Matilda you're just continuing that open conversation yeah, about stuff totally yeah um, and the relationship that I have with Matilda is a, is a real is a real good one because I mean maybe she thinks I'm old and antiquated at times because I won't let her have social media mm. and I do say turn because on Apple phones you can turn yeah 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 so I do say that and but we've worked together at it and I said right well so what do you think is a reasonable yeah. time it's not a dictatorship yeah we did if the you're same. going to bed at nine o'clock yeah then let's have your mobile phone off at eight. Yeah, yeah. And then at weekends, you can have it on whenever you want. Yeah, we do but the same. But then you block, you know, she yeah. can't look at yeah, yeah. adult material and all mm. that. And and I think from doing that, she is very open. So, like, if she's interested in a boy, she'll say, oh, I, you know, I, I talked to a boy today and I'm... Uh, so she openly have that yeah, conversation with Yeah, of course she will. Yeah. With both of us. And I think that's really, I think that's really, you know, having that sort of relationship that we've got, and I had that open relationship with my mum and dad 
has rubbed off really well on her. So, mm. and it's nice as well that Matilda's mum can, you know, follow suit as well. You know. Yeah. What would kind of your advice be to other men? Because you know, I've got a, a daughter of a just a bit younger. Yeah. Similar. Similar sort of. <laughs> similar sort of age, and the kind of I what I find challenging is the the juggle between being a dad yep. and knowing to have boundaries yep. to have um you know having making sure she's looked after that someone's she's kept an eye on in that yep. respect but then also given her elements of freedom yep. loosened in the reins yeah, yeah yeah i mean did you did you find that you know as she was growing up did you find that thing right i've got to make a plan here of what i need to do yeah i think for me, I mean, because I grew up in like the eighties and the nineties, mm-hmm. the nineties, and parents, you know, if I got if I stepped out, and I used to get a clip, yeah, around the ear hole. And yeah. like I remember my mum, <laughs> there was a, I I threw a stone and smashed the window, and I got oh, you know, sort of the police were called, and okay, everything you can imagine <laughs> that. Anyway, she hit me over the hand with a wooden spoon, so I never did, did anything that like that ever again. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think when we'd always sort of set a stall out that we wanted Matilda to be as independent as possible, mm. you know, but with boundaries yeah, and, you know, please and thanks manners and make sure that you look after people. Yeah. And it shows now, you know, she's like one of the class, she was telling me the other day, she's like a class head of class or something. Oh, okay. Where yeah, they, yeah. 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 And she went and looked after like the year sevens when they okay, came yeah, in. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm really proud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it kind of shows up yeah, in what so she's I mean, doing I now. Think, yeah, going back to what your question, yeah, I think it's just, it's working with them, isn't mm. it? It's working, sometimes I've, you know, I have my wife on my shoulder going, you shouldn't have spoken to her like that. Mm. Mm. And then I'm like, oh my God, yeah, no, I really shouldn't have. Mm. Um, and then I'll go up and apologise, or speak to her and apologise. Yeah, I think that. that's key, by the way, because I, I think, you know, similar, you know, I've, I've done similar things and what I've learned over time is that given explanation or purpose to why you may have acted in that way at the time yeah i totally agree with that so so it's not like they then think is it me yeah you know is it me that i've done something wrong yeah but kind of saying that we all have times when we're a bit stressed or a bit doing whatever yeah so like Um, i was talking and she came and interrupted me yeah and i just snapped (laughs) and then afterwards yeah my wife went that was totally uncalled for. Yeah, yeah. Go and deal with that. So, and I said, look, I'm really sorry. In future, just say excuse me. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll be straight with you. Yeah. Rather than talk. And then she, and now she's learned from that and she does. Yeah. And I think there's also a power of showing your vulnerability as well. Yeah, yeah. As I totally a, agree As with a that. parent yeah. and saying, look, we all make mistakes. Yeah. You know, we all say things we don't mean. But the important thing is just to have a chat about it afterwards. Yeah, or, I mean, when, mom, when my mum passed away, we were it affected her a lot okay because um, they were like thick as thieves mm. um, and we were very open yeah we, I mean I didn't we just said that she was poorly because she didn't understand the cancer thing and sure and all that sort of stuff but yeah I mean when I uh, well, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done was to tell her that tell her. When, mom, mm. when my mum had died it mm. was uh, horrendous but together and as a as a for, foursome so um, Matilda's mum and her partner and me and my partner yeah. and we came together grouped along together. with grand, Grandad and my brother and all that and we grouped together and mm. we supported her and they were mm. really good at school they offered her support at school okay. as well and yeah. she had like a little bear where she put photos and that oh, cool. and now she's in a position where she she 
openly talks about it again. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it, it's funny in it death, but yeah, but supporting you know, just you know children just, for I th- it. But I think if they can see that there, when these things happen, there are people around them. Yeah, um, that, that that can kind of help them. Um, ha- in those times for you, kind of growing up um, and going through what you had, um, in those times that you kind of felt alone in that in that circumstance you know looking back on that now and there may be people that are listening that may be in that situation now themselves yeah. when they've something's happened they feel that they they haven't got um people around them or perhaps they have but they don't think they can you know i think from speaking to a lot of men um a lot of the inner talk is around i don't want to be a burden mm-hmm. i don't yeah, I agree I, with that i don't want to put on people don't want to put on, yeah. um maybe you've got people don't want to trouble you yeah maybe you've got maybe the people that are around you have their own challenges with certain mm-hmm. things and you don't want to feel that you add to that yeah what would your thoughts be around kind of like what is the next step that you could kind of go to yeah and i think that's probably drawing back to like the camaraderie of like mm. around rugby and, yeah. and stuff like that it doesn't have to be a sport mm it could be a group or it could be um you know a group of friends yeah. or or an interest to mm. occupy your mind to find something rather than being alone with your own thoughts yeah. um definitely be a, try and be around other not like-minded people but try and be around you know even going and doing some volunteering or yeah yeah or um you know anything like yeah. that that just keeps you preoccupied that you're not on your own with your own thoughts because that's mm. probably the hardest time is yeah. to deal with those sorts of things yeah my hardest time when i think thinking there of when i was sitting there with my broken ankle thinking what could have been yeah they were my dark times mm. but then it was like right well you know what you need you know what you know where, yeah. where you've been and what the support you've got around you and then it's it, i suppose as well not moping and not feeling sorry for yourself mm. easier said than done i know in some circumstances yeah but it's just that it's almost like that olive branch and just mm. saying look I am struggling mm. can you point me in the right direction yeah because as a mental health first aider that's what we do isn't it I yeah mean, we I mean obviously we're there to to signpost signpost aren't we so it's it, you know even if it's just like um, talking about your experiences yeah um, and I know someone's come up to me recently and spoke about um um, one of their parents that has uh, uh, has got um, terminal illness, and it's about putting them in the right direction and mm. talking to them and, and going through the help that you had, yeah, and, and experience. So, and, and, and yeah, it's that. I suppose it's signposting and offering an olive branch, yeah, and and, the, and, and, the pu- and reminding them that they're not on their own. Yeah, and the purpose of these conversations, you know, calling them mandates, is to encourage men to you know one of the things that i i the kind of prompted this was where as i was kind of you know at times when i didn't feel that great my wife would have an outlet or seemed to have an outlet where yeah. she would have her friends yeah. they would go yeah. they would have a coffee yeah. they would chat and that she would come back feeling a bit not better. a lot of men have that well that was the thing my, my wife has uh, three friends yeah. that she's been friends with yeah. since they were five yeah and they're still best mates I would say friends. My, my my best friend is my wife. Mm. Totally, yeah. totally rely on her. Yeah, really, and more than a hundred percent. And that was eye opening. I think yeah. because they're, they're totally agree with you. There. You know, she had that, 
and I think well why don't we have that and I kind of sat and I kind of thought about it for a while and it's just that you know I think that any time we would see friends you know I'm, I'm speaking a bit generally here but it would be like maybe if you're doing a sport with someone now mm-hmm. sport is great or you know you're doing that but it's not dedicated time no it's while you're doing something else. Yeah. The other circumstance might be that you go for a night out yeah, where maybe or, alcohol is involved yeah. or something like that. Again, you've got other people around you. Maybe you're drinking and stuff. Not always no. the best time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the encouragement of these conversations is to set time aside. You know, it could be, you know, it can start just by reaching out through a text or something, yeah. but to set up dedicated time where you can have that outlet because I don't think... I know from now going through that experience, the benefit of that is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, hundred um, yeah, percent. And and you know to do that um, with you know you mentioned that you've got some you know your mates who's a butcher and you've got some friends at the rugby. Do you have those dedicated times? Yeah, I mean, uh, my my friend um, the butcher, he unfortunately just lost a child. Wow. Okay. Um, his wife was pregnant with twins and he mm. lost one of them. Mm. The other one is, was born prematurely and they've been through hell and high water. And I, I just a little text every day. Everything yeah. all right? Everything okay? And then and then there was just one one time I rang him because I, I, I just thought, I'm going to ring him and just make sure he's all right. And then he just totally offloaded. Mm. Totally offloaded about everything and how he was feeling. And, yeah. and it's important that you've got that because we don't as men we don't we don't do it we don't do it enough no and it's just you don't have to do it every day but like you said maybe just drop in a text every week and or every couple of days everything all right mate yeah um but like you know when we go shooting it is very much our time just yeah yeah we're not worried about hitting anything it's Mm. more about going and having a bacon roll and chatting about man stuff and yeah and we do make that our sort of our time and and that's quite important that that we do go and do that i think there's a really important point you made there about you know i've been i've been guilty of this in the past as well where maybe something happens with someone that you know and you maybe you send a text saying if there's anything i can do let me know and i think in that circumstances they've you know from conversations that i've had there's probably a lot of people that have done the same thing yeah but i think in actually taking action yeah whether it's calling them, you know, directly calling them, yeah. turning up at their door, yeah. cooking them a meal. Yeah, well, that's exactly what we did. You yeah. know, um, that's exactly what we did. And then when we when we eventually met the little babe, hmm. you know, I'd, it, not only we just bought something for the baby, we bought something for her. Yeah. And I bought him a, because he's a butcher, I bought him a knife. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. you know, because we were talking about like manly knives and mm. stuff like that. So mm. I went and, you know, and he was like, oh, you didn't have to do anything like that. And I was like, no, no, but I wanted to yeah. because it's not just you. It's not. It's not just. It's not just your partner that's going through that. Yeah, of course. It's you as well. Yeah, and yeah. you know, carrying a little, all that sort of stuff. It's just yeah. It's not nice, and you know, you, you have to be there for them, don't you? And they're yeah. true. They're, that's when your true friendships shine through. I mm, suppose. No, definitely. And I, you don't. I don't even think twice about stuff like that now. It's yeah. just a natural. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Which is a good thing, isn't it? Oh God, yeah, yeah. I mean, because we've we've had conversations like you know we're setting up our mm. uh, men's Groups Monday, aren't we? Yeah, um, for all well, which is really important for us, mm. um, where we can have anybody that identifies as a man can come and 
speak to us or no it's not us it's just have a general mm. conversation mm. and we'll bring tea and biscuits well maybe biscuits <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky yeah <laughs> and, I, and I think that's important as well you know sometimes as men I feel we need a bit of a push we do sometimes we do and if if that can be as casual as we can make it I think that's you know that's always a you know a great way to start yeah. things isn't Agreed. it um, just to finish up um if we had another chair here and we had Simon just after he'd broken his ankle sitting here, <laughs> knowing what you know now, yeah, what would you tell him? Uh, I would tell him not to mope. I would tell him not to feel sorry for himself. I would tell him to try and get into some sort of control of your life and to talk and be open and mm. to talk about how you're feeling. Mm. I think that's probably been my biggest learn is that. Because it is okay that you feel like that at yeah. the time, isn't it? It is, as a man. Because mm. mm. we don't say it because we're meant to be these butch. Mm. You know, I'm still I'm still really old-fashioned. Like I walk on the side of the road and I go and open the door and mm. and all that sort of stuff. But mm. yeah, we are. We, don't, we need to open up and we need to talk more about how we're feeling as men and, mm. and not be frightened of it. Mm. there's no taboo around it and there's no subject for me certainly there shouldn't be any subject off mm. off limits yeah thanks for your time no worries thank you appreciate it cheers um.